Welcome to Big Sky Big Pigs. Week three of the Big Sky Conference. The Grizz are back. The Cats are streaking in Eastern Washington and Idaho are having very different experiences with Division II opponents. You know how this works, but a quick recap for new listeners. Big Sky Big Takes is your around-the-horn style podcast for all things Big Sky Conference. The show is produced by Montana Mint Sports and syndicated throughout the Big Sky Podcast Network. Our panel today from the Grizz Fan Podcast, Brent Wahlberg, representing those Montana State Bobcats, our gambling expert and moneymaker, Montana Parlay, the saddest Vandals fan in town, Chris Hammond, and a first-timer to the show, the color analyst for Northern Colorado Bears football on 1310 KFKA in Colorado, also the host of the podcast, Troy and Aaron Bearsall, Aaron Rath. Fellas, let's go around the league, check in with the biggest stories and questions from week one. First, I want to talk about those Bobcats. Montana State had a big win this weekend, a 38-17 win against number 12, Southeast Missouri State. Based on this win, should the Cats crack the top three of the Big Sky Conference? Chris, we're going to start with you. Yeah, well, I, I kind of think this is like a three-part question in terms of built on the resume, you know, in the terms of who have they played and what have they done so far, their talent. Could they beat the 11 other teams if we're putting them in the top 11? and how they're going to end up in the season standings. Season standings, they have the easiest schedule pretty much on the way out, other than they should only be dogs in maybe two games with Montana and at UC Davis. Talent, I don't think they're quite better than the 11 other teams. Um, but resume-wise, yeah, they deserve to be in the top three. I think that's reflected in our power rankings this week. Uh, I mean, they're the only Big Sky team that has a top 25 FCS win. Now, obviously, UC Davis and Eastern Washington will have something to say about that in the upcoming weeks. But as of now, they have the best resume and the easiest schedule coming out. I think they should be in the top three, and they'll probably finish in the top three. Brett Wahlberg, you're a Grizz fan here. Are the Cats a top three Big Sky team right now? Absolutely not. The Bobcats are number four, and this is the reason why. They get trucked by Texas Tech, which proves absolutely nothing. And then so they beat a ranked team, Southeast Missouri. So, But what is Southeast Missouri? Did you know they just celebrated their first ever playoff win last year? And they only returned five guys from their offense this year? And the only team they've beaten is Southern Illinois, who is picked to finish ninth in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, only lower than Western Illinois, who the Cats play this weekend. It proves absolutely nothing. SEMO's ranking carried them over from the prior year. We have no idea how good this team is. You still have to put Eastern, Davis, and Weber in front of the Cats. Montana Parlay, you're going to the game in Western Illinois. Are you going to be watching a top three Big Sky team? I'd like to say yes, and you'd probably rather hear the hot take, but I'm the wrong guy for that. First of all, I'm glad I get to go to the game because I have yet to be able to watch a Bobcat game, and hopefully I'll get to speak on that more later. But mostly I need to see them beat a top two or three team, and I'm talking about Eastern Weber, UC Davis from the last few years. Uh, we've talked a lot about how Choate's signature wins have been, of course, the three Grizz victories, and then SEMO, but who is SEMO? I actually, as much as I hate to say it, have to agree on with Brent on that. They're not that good of a team. They had a weak playoff win, and that ranking was way too high. Uh, I just need to see the Cats beat a better team before I throw them in the top three. Aaron, you're kind of the outside uh, uh, unbiased source here. As a UNC Bears fan, do you think the Bobcats, looking at the Big Sky at the whole, should be considered one of the top tier, top three teams in the Big Sky? 
Well, I have kind of a different take on it than the rest of them. While my answer is no, it's really because I don't really know who should be in the top three. If you look at the games that who I would consider to be really in the top five play, they've played a good game and they've played a bad game. I mean, really, how do you judge where teams should be this early in the season? For me, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of preseason polls. I'm not a fan of anything until we get into conference play and you start playing like opponents. They haven't really played any like opponents. And I'm going to have to agree with everybody. Yeah, Southeast that's a good Missouri. Point. Go ahead. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, Chris, you know, based on all of this, based on uh, Southeast Missouri State's record, uh, and especially Montana Parlay's non-endorsement of the top three, are you going to stand by your point that the Cats are a top-tier team? Yeah, well, you know, I also am unbiased as in, you know, being the saddest Idaho Vandal fan in town. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, Simo did beat a lowly Southern Illinois team, but that Southern Illinois team last week literally went in the, and put 25-point victory over UMass, 45-20 of the FBS. So they might not be considered very good, but Simo did beat a team that's one of the few teams this year. I believe there's only been three FCS over FBS upsets, and one of which was Southern Illinois, which Simo handled the week prior. Ah, that's a fair point. Uh, speaking of FCS versus FBS, we had a couple interesting losses in the Big Sky Conference this past week. Sac State, on a Friday night game, had a close loss to Arizona State, 19-7. to uh, The game, if you were watching it, was close throughout. Uh, also, Northern Arizona lost to uh, FBS, obviously. Arizona, 65-41, putting up 41 points on a FBS talent defense which of these Big Sky teams impressed you the most in their loss to an FBS team? Montana Parlay, let's start with you. Well, as intriguing as it was for my boy Cookus to put up 41 in that game, I'm going to focus on the game that I actually got to watch, and that was Sac State uh, playing you know, a very close game against ASU. They kept them to 19. That defense of Sac State looked very impressive and could really change some way we look at things in the big sky uh, during conference play. They had 16 first downs in a close game and moved the ball pretty well, although the point total doesn't really show that. So I'm really looking forward to how Sac State matches up against the middle to top tier teams in the big sky. Aaron, UNC's got Sac State coming up this weekend and also Northern Arizona in early October, October 5th. Which of those games, based on kind of what we saw them play in the FBS uh, opponents this past week, which of those games worries you the most? Well, I think Northern Arizona worries the, me the most simply because of Case Cookus. I watched that uh, Sac State-Arizona State game, and I was not impressed with the play of Arizona State. I thought that they played like a very low-level Pac-12 team, and I don't think that that really helped Sac State's case. But Case Cook is coming back off an injury and coming back in, putting 41 on an, on an Arizona team. They're the ones that worry me the most. Brent Wahlberg, what do you take of all this? What What is your big-picture view of uh, how these teams played and which one do you think is going to do the most damage this year in the Big Sky Conference? 
Well, that that's a two-part question. Of course, the most damage is going to be NAU, if a healthy case Cookus and that offense, there and an easier schedule than some others. But you look at like the most impressive loss of the two, and and like Parlay pointed out, Sacramento State, they're a team with lower expectations than NAU. That game was twelve to seven with six minutes to go in the game, and. Arizona State stretched it out with a 75-yard bomb touchdown pass. You know, NAU in their game was down 51-13 to at the half. So a lot of garbage time points. While still impressive, that sack loss impressed me more than the other. That's a good point. Um, looking, you know, we, we talked about the Cats being a t- if they're a top-tier team. Let's look at the very top of the conference. Weber State took care of business this past weekend, knocking off Cal Poly 41-24. Combining this with their close week one loss to FBS San Diego State, is Weber State currently the top team in the big sky? Brent, we're coming back to you. Okay. Yes, they absolutely are. Few reasons why. So they lost to San Diego State six to nothing. San Diego State the next week goes on and beats Pac twelve UCLA twenty three to fourteen. Great point. Uh, we Weber State has an excellent defense and by putting up 41 points on Cal Poly, they're showing that that offense is coming around. The running back Davis, I believe, run offensive player of the week or was in some mention of that. They're, they're getting things going. They are the best team in the conference right now. Chris Hammond, let's get you in here. Weber State, are they number one? No, they're not. And, you know, to the San Diego State point, everybody's beaten UCLA so far this year. But in two <laughs> games, as a Seahawks fan, I always had to hear how Defense wins championships, but you know even when the Seahawks won that Super Bowl, they had a good offense. When you look at Weber State, they might have the best defense in the FCS, but junior quarterback Jake Constantine in his two games is 38 for 54, only 254 yards with one touchdown and one pick. Uh, their running backs this year, freshman or last year's freshman of the year, Josh Davis, only has 136 yards on the ground with two touchdowns, and no wide receiver has even touched 100 yards yet. Put that in perspective, Troy Anderson's two games at quarterback last year in his first two starts, he went 19 for 38, 188 yards, also one touchdown, one interception, while putting up 356 yards and two touchdowns on the ground and received 32 yards. That means he would have been the fourth highest receiver on Weber State's team so far this year. The one thing I know is everything comes back to Troy Anderson. Aaron Rath, <laughs> what, uh, what's your take on Weber State? Are they number one or just top tier? I think they're a top-tier team. I don't think they're number one. I kind of go with the, if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. And I don't know that we will see them take care of any of the top teams in the big sky. I think they're going to struggle offensively, like was just said. And I I just don't think that, that they have the firepower to put the points on the board. They might only need to put two or three touchdowns on the board to get victories. But I have a problem seeing them doing that. Yeah, no, I mean it's a it's a tale of two games with uh, with what we've seen out of them uh, so far this year. I know that uh, there's some folks predicting upset in their game at Nevada this week, and a true test will be when they play Northern Iowa here in two weeks. Montana Parlay, Weber State, are you in or out on them being number one? A short answer, not in. Uh, you know, I'm. When we do our over-unders at the beginning of each year, I've been higher than you, our host, on Weber uh, ahead of the season. But just 
it does come down to offense. Watching them against Maine in last year's playoff game, and then even though I wasn't able to watch them in the first game of the year, my little my some of my gambling sources were watching that game, and they were appalled that some of our power rankers moved them up to number one when Weber couldn't even move the ball past the 50-yard line hardly against a pretty decent Mountain West team. They got to be able to move the ball and score points to be number one in this league. Eastern, they're going to keep getting better. Montana, UC Davis, they're going to keep improving. Even Montana State can at least score some points. So I can't put them at first until they beat someone good. All right, let's move on to our last question here. Uh, you know, Talking about putting up points, Weber State has not done so, but there are a lot of teams around the big sky putting up big, big points. When you have that, you have players that look electric. Which player so far in 2019 has looked the most electric in the Big Sky Conference? Aaron, let's, let's turn to you. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and probably pick someone that I don't know anybody else would have. And I'm going to go with redshirt freshman Jalen Hamler, the quarterback out of Cal Poly. Uh, throwing the ball well, which is tough to say for a Cal Poly quarterback. He's got almost 400 yards passing. He's got three touchdowns through the air. He has about 150 yards on the ground and three touchdowns on the ground so far this season. He's really playing well. His worst game was against San Diego when he threw for 72.7% uh, completions. He hasn't thrown any interceptions. He's just been a solid player for Cal Poly so far. Brent Wahlberg, who's your pick? All right. I am a firm believer that if you surround yourself with the best, you get even better yourself. And for that, it's Dalton Sneed, quarterback of the Montana Grizzlies. Why? This year, Dalton Sneed is averaging in just two games, yes, but he is averaging 350 pass yards per game. We already know what a running threat he is. He's got two rushing touchdowns already. This guy has added to his game. He has the best trio of starting receivers better than Eastern Washington's in the big sky, maybe the FCS. Dalton Sneed looks amazing. His guys make him look even better. Most electric guy in the big sky by far. I love it. Chris Hammond, are you picking someone on Idaho? No. So I was actually a little worried about this because Parlay and I seem to think alike. I know the fantasy section's coming up here. I was going to go with Jalen Hamler as well. So kudos to Aaron on making that pick. But just to keep it fresh, give somebody else new. You knew it was coming. If there was a third player that we had to mention, it's Eric Berry, a junior quarterback for Eastern Washington. Uh, if you're going to give Dalton Sneed ton, uh, ton of, tons of props, Eric Berry has 733 yards. He has six touchdowns, and he doesn't have those two interceptions that Dalton Sneed has. He also has put one in on the ground. A little less rushing yards, but another player that has to be mentioned if you're talking about electrifying players so far in the Big Sky season. I love it. Montana Parlay, I'm assuming you're going with Troy Anderson, but is there anyone else that you want to add to this list? Troy, all the way. No. <laughs> you know, um, Lonzo Gillum Jr. Is looked, has been a stud for UC Davis running the ball. I thought I'd switch things up and go with a running back besides Troy. I mean, obviously, if you included defense and just all-around play, we'd go with Troy. But offense only, uh, you got to look at Alonzo Gillum Jr., UC Davis. It's so exciting to have, you know, six solid teams at the top of the Big Sky Conference. A lot of great quarterback play, even those outside of the, the top tier um, or even the top half of the Big Sky. We have good quarterback play up and down. The conference, from a talent standpoint, is in a really good place. And that's really exciting. Moving on to our next 
segment, we're going to drill down on teams. We brought you all on here because you're each individually experts on your own team. Um, and I want to learn a little bit more about each of those. Aaron, I'm going to start with you. Northern Colorado, you guys come into this week. Uh, uh, it's a non-conference game against Sacramento. You're 0-2. I have two questions for you. One, what does UNC need to do to turn things around this season? And two, if they can't turn things around, are we watching Coach Ernest Collins last season in UNC? So I think the first question can be answered with the offense. New offensive coordinator Nick Fulton comes in. He changes the offense. I don't think the Bears have opened up the playbook yet. So I think we're going to see the playbook opened up this week against Sac State. So their offense should be more. I believe Jacob Nip is going to have a great week this week. Um, so, so they need to get him going. They got the running game going against Washington State. They really ran the ball well, 220 yards as a team against Washington State. Milo Hall with 113. So they're doing well there. And then they, on the other side of the ball, they've got to get some defensive backs to step up. They have one senior in Michael Walker, and they've got to help him and get him some help um, by getting some pressure from the front. Uh, as to the second question, I'm not sure. Um, I would think that if they are, I, I, I would think if they get four or five wins, then Ernest stays for another season. If they finish like last year, two and ten, two, three and nine, then yeah, I think Ernest is probably gone. The new president came in last season, after or before last season, President Feinstein, and and he basically told Ernest, "You got some time." I mean, they like Ernest because he does more than just coach these kids. I mean, if you read the stories, these kids on this football team are more than just football players. They give back. They're smart. They're intelligent. They graduate. We led the. We're in the top of the FCS with players that had already graduated last season. So I don't know. There's so many factors that play into Ernest Collins. So that's a tough question to answer. But with a short record like two and ten, three and nine, I'm gonna have to say yes. Yeah. No. It, it, there does seem to be a lot of faith of a lot of faith in him uh, in Northern Colorado. Uh, the players speak so highly of him. There's a, a abnormal amount of uh, Northern Colorado players that make it into the NFL. Uh, but just can't put together on the field. 26 and 62 coming into the year and obviously started 0 and 2. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Moving on, uh, let's talk some Vandal football. Chris, not a great start of the year for Idaho. Obviously a Penn State loss, which we talked about in length, um, but also a close victory over D2 Central Washington. For the rest of the month, Idaho has to go to Wyoming, play Eastern Washington, and then go on the road to Northern Colorado. What's the Vandals' record going to be come October? Yeah, well, you know, we covered this in our preseason preview of the Idaho Vandals. Um, and I did think the Central game is going to be tough. And teams always have trouble. Eastern had trouble with Central in 2010 and went on the championship. Um, we beat them by more points than Eastern did that year. So, you know, that one I knew was going to be tough. But going into this, I actually did predict an Eastern win on our preview podcast and a loss at Northern Colorado. I think maybe there's a – I think that Eastern win right now is probably going out the window. I don't think we have the talent right now and Eastern's flying. That means that we have a possibility of a 1-5 and five start, um, maybe 2-4. and four, But, you know, Greeley is a very spooky place to play. Our defense is pretty strong in the front seven. But our back, you know, four or, or our secondary is not very good. Uh, and Jacob Nick is a guy that should be able to 
do some damage on them. I think that's, as Jeff Choate would say, a bring-your-own-energy game. We haven't proved that we can bring any energy anywhere. I don't think in Greeley, a spooky stadium, someplace they've never played, I think that Northern Colorado gets us. I think we're rolling in one and five. I love it. I love the optimism of not ruling out a national championship for Idaho this year. Um, Montana Parlay, we've already talked Bobcats, and we all know Hot Take Nate on the Montana Mint Sports Podcast talked about them at length. So I want to focus on UC Davis, who, for whatever reason, we can't find a reporter that covers them. Uh, at the beginning of the season, we pegged UC Davis in our over-under podcast at eight and a half wins. They're one and one right now. If you're able to make the bet, would you take the over or the under on eight and a half? First of all, we got to get more cat po- content on this pod, and you keep sweeping it under the rug. Come on now. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, looking at their schedule, I say no. I think they're going to struggle to get to eight wins. Um, you know, we've got one and one. They're going to beat Lehigh. They're going to lose at North Dakota State. But then they host Montana. Is that a 50-50 game? Brent probably says 80% loss right there. At North Dakota, <laughs> that's no gimme. Cal Poly at home, they should win that one. At Southern Utah, should be a win. Weber, they're probably not going to be favored in that at Portland State. Well, we'll see. Then it comes down to Montana State at home. And this is going to be a huge game for UC Davis, both to get to their win total and Dan Hawkins, 2006 first-year coach at Colorado, gets upset by the Montana State Bobcats. He might have this one circled already. And... Then they got to go to Sac State after that. So, you know, they've got to win basically all the games that are 50-50 in order to get to eight, let alone nine. I say no. Yeah, we all thought they'd probably start out one and one with that game uh, starting at Cal. But I feel like people's confidence in UC Davis has been uh, is shook after the, the first two games. Just not, not as explosive as, as folks would have assumed coming out of the gate. Brent, saving you for the last, the best for last. During the second half of the Grizz game, it sure felt like those Grizzlies were back. Are the Grizz back? The uh, short answer is hell yes. The Grizz (laughs) are back, baby. (laughs) So look at this. The last year, first year year back under Bobby Houck, what was the big problem with the Grizzlies? It was especially the fourth quarter. This year – in their first two games, this defense has only allowed seven points in two games total. Last week, Northern Alabama only had four first downs in the second half. The other things we're seeing are these little pieces, and these are the things that Bobby Howe can bring to a Grizz coach team. Special teams execution, attention to detail, physical play, exciting play. And the, be- the thing that we hadn't seen and that maybe, you know, Grizz fans now welcome after the, you know, the great mid-90s sections of pass-heavy. Well, our last pass-heavy coach sure as hell didn't work. But now, this time, we got the ground game rolling. Last week, 234 yards 
on the ground, five touchdowns. The Grizz had three areas of big concerns on the roster starting the season. It was running back, it was O-line, and defensive line. In two games, it really appears that they have maybe potentially already solved two of those three areas. They are really dangerous. If they can get their pass rush down, oh man, look out. These Grizz are back. Look out, the Grizz are back. And you can't you can't underestimate the point that you made on the fourth quarter. Last year, first quarter, Grizz outscored opponents 116 to 72. Second quarter, 102 to 60. Third quarter, 83 to 48. In the fourth quarter, the Grizz were outscored 134 to 72. Almost doubled up in the fourth quarter. Uh, just I listened to the game on the radio. We don't have to talk about the Grizz too much, but I listened to the game on the radio uh, when Jerry Louis McGee had that. Uh, punt return in the third quarter the announcers were so energetic when he was running in and then they just let it go silent on their end and let the crowd chanting jerry jerry uh you know take it to the to the extra point it was so awesome um all right we're going to move on to our our fantasy builder um here in a second but just real quick want to give a shout out to our main uh sponsor the montana mint store Big Sky, Big Stakes, as we as we said, is a joint production of Montana Mint Sports and the Big Sky Podcast Network. Montana Mint Store helps make this all happen. Those of us from Montana or whoever have been to Montana know one thing about fashion in the Big Sky. If there is a store making a cool design, soon enough, everybody in the state is going to be wearing that design. We're looking at you home with a period at the end of its shirt. Uh, also looking at you, Outline of Montana with Roots Coming Out of It hat. This drove uh, our designers at the Montana Mint Store nuts, uh, and they decided just to do limited runs of everything produced for the Montana Mint. When you buy from the Montana Mint, you know that there's only a small number of that design and that color out on the market, giving you a chance to stand out among the crowd, check out all they have to offer in terms of new gear at montana Mint. Dot com. Thanks for the Montana Mint store for uh, kind of making this whole sports enterprise afloat. So we're moving to Big Sky Fantasy Builder. We're each going to build a fantasy team with a little modified draft. Um, we're going to go position by position, regular fantasy scoring, uh, and we'll post this on Twitter where you guys can vote for the best team. And our boy Chris Hammond is also keeping score throughout the year. We're going to start with quarterbacks. Uh, and the first pick in the round is going to go to Aaron Rath. Aaron, who is your number one pick for fantasy quarterback this week in the Big Sky? So this week, I'm going to go with my homeboy here, Jacob Nip, simply because I think he's going to have a breakout game against Sacramento State. Bears are going to take the lid off the offense, and Jacob Nip is going to throw for 303 touchdowns. I can't wait. A lot of hype about him coming into the year, and we have not had that breakout game. Uh, Montana Parlay, who do you got number two? Well, as soon as the draft order came out, I sent a quick fax to producer Jerry begging for a trade because with the top, <laughs> when four of the top five fantasy QBs in the Big Sky having favorable matchups, I'd rather pick fourth and have a higher pick somewhere else. So especially now that the two best guys are still on the board, um, man, this is tough. I, I'm just gonna have to go with a game I think is gonna be an absolute shootout. Eric Berrier, uh, Eastern Washington. Yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. Barrier will not usually disappoint. Brent Wahlberg, you cannot take Dalton Sneed. I will not let you take Dalton Sneed. <laughs> Who are you taking with the number three pick? 
Oh my God, I am not picking Dalton Sneed, but thank <laughs> you guys so much for letting Jalen Hamler fall into my lap. Are you kidding me? A rushing quarterback that's throwing for 250 pass yards a game, and he's also averaging 75 on the ground and three touchdowns. You guys just gifted me 13 extra fantasy points for his ground game. Jalen <laughs> Hamler's my QB. All right, Chris Hammond, close us out in quarterbacks. Well, you know, I've had Hamler stolen from me twice now, an electrifying player, and right before me in the draft pick here. So scrolling down to my fourth pick for quarterback, uh, or third pick, I'm going to go actually with Jake uh, Mayermeyer, as Hot Tech Nate would say. Um, yep. He's got an optimal matchup against Lehigh this week. Um, I'm expecting them to really try to put some points on after people are throwing some shade after San Diego. Yeah, they really, UC Davis really needs to to put up some points to kind of calm the nerves of uh, observers of the Big Sky Conference. Moving on to running backs. Chris, we're going to come back to you. You got the number one pick for running backs. Number one pick for running back. I'm probably going to go with uh, my boy Elijah Dotson. Uh, I think the, the Sac State running back, they've got a yep. matchup this week. It's going to be one of the more evenly matched matchups. Uh, a lot of the other teams have a lot of quarterback play. I think Sac State's going to hand it off. Dotson's good for at least two touchdowns. Yeah, you know, he's supposed to be an elite talent, and you're going against a similarly situated team. That should spell uh, – that should make a good recipe for, uh, for, for Dotson. Brent Wahlberg, who's your running back? Well, I'm going to take the only running back that's averaging triple digits per game, and that's Alonzo Gilliam. Cal Davis. Uh, this guy's averaging 112 per game on the ground. They got Lehigh coming to town. They're fa they're heavily favored, and I'm going to guess after uh, a controversial win in San Diego, they're going to be wanting to put up some points, and he's going to be a guy to do it. Insane win. If you have not seen the video of the ending of that uh, San Diego-UC Davis game, do yourself a favor, because if these were bigger programs, that would have been leading sports center. Uh, just a truly, truly outstanding way to, to end the game. Montana Parlay, you got the third pick for running backs. Who are you going to take? Well, I'm going to go with a deep sleeper. A couple reasons for that. First off, I'm picking last in the flex, and I can't let, let Chris take my potentially take my guy. And the second reason is I'll be one of 27 fans at the Western Illinois game. <laughs> and the last thing the mitt. The last thing the Mint needs is me to get kicked off for screaming at college kids and coaches when Afonso gets his uh, TDs taken away from him by uh, Troy and whomever else they throw in there. So I am digging deep for Lance Lawson, Southern Utah. They're playing a team that just gave up over 300 yards to Tatian, Tat whatever, some crap team I've never heard of. Um, <laughs> so... SFA is going to give up a ton of yards. S Southern Utah targets this guy, you know, on the out of the backfield with throwing, and he gets some handoffs too. He's going to surprise some people this week. Well, that certainly would Lance be surprising. I'm looking at uh, producer Jerry, and we think this is the first Southern Utah player taking all all year. So a lot oh, of yeah. pressure on Lance Lawson. Aaron, close us out on running backs. Who are you going to take in round uh, for for round two? Well, first off, I have to disagree with the first pick on Eliza Dotson. I think he goes for 50. The Bears shut him down. Uh, but I'm going to – I'm going to – hey, they, they held Washington State's top running back who ran for 128 to 34. Um, I'm going to go with Milo Hall. Uh, you know, I was, I was wanting Alonzo Gilliam 
from UC Davis. I'm I'm scared to take a fan Ifonse, so I'm going to go with the running back who's at 95 yards per game, had 113 last week. Milo Hall runs for another 100-yard game this week and two touchdowns. All right. Uh, going on to wide receivers, Montana Parlay, we're going to let you go first here. Wide receiver, who are you taking number one? All right. Well, Case Cookus is absolutely pissed that he wasn't drafted in the QBs, so I'm going to take advantage of that and take his boy Brandon Porter from NAU. He's going to crush it in their game this weekend. Yeah, I like it. I like what Cookus could potentially do this weekend. Chris Hammond, who are you taking number two? for wide receivers well you know if you're gonna take uh porter you know parlay and i have great minds think alike i think case cookies is mad i'm gonna take hendrix johnson the freshman i think uh, porter's gonna get some attention his way i think uh the ball might go johnson's way just a little bit more i like it aaron wide receivers who do you like this weekend i don't like anybody I, I think too many t- too many teams have such tough matchups. I'd like to take a Bears wide receiver, but they haven't done well. Um, I do think that while Idaho doesn't move the ball well and they they have a tough game this week, I'm gonna go with uh, with um, I'm gonna go with Jeff Cotton. I don't know why. I just think he's gonna have a good game this week, and we'll see. Oh, you just made Chris Hammond's day. Brent Wahlberg. He's the only guy taking? who can catch the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brent Wahlberg, who are you taking at wide receiver? You guys literally stole all my picks. Like, I thought I had, like, all these cool, like, sleepy picks, and uh, you guys stole them all. So, Grizz Homerism, Sammy Akem is going to show Oregon what's up. He's going to snag a touchdown, <laughs> and uh, I'll go with him. <laughs> oh, my God. Sammy Akem, a.k.a. Brent Wahlberg, wrote down three wide receivers and forgot he was picking a quarterback. <laughs> Already got picked. <laughs> yep. Moving on to the last round. We'll Parlay, a... you stole my running back, too, man. You stole my flex. This is terrible. We'll pick a flex. Brent, you got a couple picks to Google some more players. Chris Hammond, who are you taking with your flex? <laughs> I'm going the ultimate flex, no doubt about it. I'm taking the myth, the man, the legend, Troy Anderson. So happy when I saw the draft order. I don't know if Wait, he's even eligible to get picked anywhere else because he's not technically a running back or anything, but I'm taking him. 107 okay. yards last week. Whew. All right, we're looking. Producer Jerry uh, is telling me, he's whispering in my ear, this is allowed this week because they're – there's no prohibition on taking a linebacker, but there will be a Troy Anderson <laughs> rule instituted next week where he can only it's be taken as a quarterback. Position. <laughs> All right, so Troy Anderson, that may have sealed the deal for you. Aaron, who are you going to take with your flex? Well, this is a tough one. Again, I don't like anybody, but I'm going to go, and I hate, I have a hard time picking these players, but I'm going to pick them anyway. I'm going to go with Afonso from uh, Montana State. Uh, that could be good value for a uh, uh, last round pick here. Brent Wahlberg, have you been able to track anyone down to take as your flex? Yeah, fortunately, I've got another option here. So, uh, Doy Trans Sampson, running back Cal Poly, the ground game's going to get going. Oregon State's going to have a. Uh, they're, they're not good. And so, I think uh, Cal Poly's going to put some points up and he should, get, he should definitely chew up some yards. All right, Montana Parlay, close this out. So I reach for some sleeper no one's heard of, and I'm left with two elite receivers from Eastern Washington in a game that's <laughs> going to be an absolute shootout. 
Not to mention J.J. Koski from Cal Poly, who's been crushing it, and he's going to play a crappy defense at Oregon State. You guys, can I just put them all on my bench and make a decision at the last minute? <laughs> Who are you taking Oh, here, my buddy? goodness. There's too many good picks here, guys. You're supposed to make it easier on me. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I'm going to link up EB3 with his boy from last week, just in case Andrew Boston's still hurt. Dre Sante Porter, Eastern Washington, broke um, broke a record last week. I'm so excited I can't even remember the best receiver to come out of the big sky right now who plays for the Rams. Oh, okay. uh, Cooper, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Cooper, Cooper Cup. Cup, yes. Cooper Cup. Dre Sante. Throw <laughs> this guy, my flex guy, beat his record last week, and I get him the last pick of the flex. Thank you. All right. Thank you. We will we'll put these all up on Twitter. Uh, go vote for your favorite team. And also, we will uh, be posting online uh, who gets the most points. We'll be keeping track of this all year. While producer Jerry is tabulating scores to see who will go to the top two showdown, uh, just a reminder, the Montana Mint Sports has a newsletter that is top in the business. The only newsletter that we know of anyways that's covering the Big Sky Conference comprehensively go sign up for that at montana-mint.com uh it, it, if you know uh, brian marceau who does a lot of our basketball writing he does a lot of content over at tubs at the club he is editing that so you know it's going to be very top quality moving into the showdown we got a battle of the borders montana parlay you're going to be taking on the very sad chris hammond uh brent Aaron, stick around for the end uh, as these guys battle it out. But question number one, Weber State and Oregon State, both very close in the Sagarin ratings, 192 respectively. Cal Poly lost to Weber State by 17 this past week, and they travel Oregon State on Saturday. Will Oregon State win by more than 17 points against Cal Poly? Montana Parlay, the question goes to you. Absolutely. You know, Cal Poly just got beat up by Weber, and Oregon State's going to put up at least 50. Look for them to win by 18 to 30. You know, they'll do it. Chris, do you agree? Yeah, I think uh, they're definitely going to, Oregon State's going to take the win. You know, they're not a good team, but Jonathan Smith is one of the best young minds in football. Uh, you know him from Montana, Boise State, Washington, Idaho. He's an offensive guy. Uh, Cal Poly just doesn't have the weapons to get into an offensive shootout, and that's what this one would be. Okay. Question two. I want you to buy or sell the following statements. Stealing a gimmick from the reel around the horn. Buy or sell. Southern Utah is the worst team in the Big Sky Conference. Chris Hammond. Uh, I'm going to actually sell this one. I actually think um, they had a lot of issues last year, which is compounded on where people are viewing them going into this year. However, I do think that teams like Idaho State and Idaho might take that crown. <laughs> You've completely gone up the wagon. Montana Barlet, are you buying or selling Southern Utah as being the uh, worst team in the league? I'm selling, and, you know, I'm writing producer Jerry. That's a spud, I mean, oh, dud of a question. As long as <laughs> Idaho and UNC and PSU are in the conference, they are not the worst. Idaho, how quickly people have fallen on Idaho. They were getting top 25 votes just a couple weeks ago. Uh, another buy or sell, question number three. The Grizz lead the Big Sky Conference currently in points scored with 92 points. Buy or sell, does Montana have the best offense in the Big Sky Conference 
Montana Parlay. Absolutely. I'm selling this. I'm shorting it more than I shorted Uber when they went public. Let's <laughs> see. They, they've played crappy defenses, you know, in a dome for the first game. They host North Bama, whoever the heck that is, you know, and, and score 45 points in one quarter. I, let's see them play some better teams. Other teams have played FCS school or FBS schools. So, you know, of course they're going to have the highest point total. Well, numbers speak. 92, number one in the Big Sky Conference currently. Chris Hammond, are you buying or selling the Grizz with the best offense in the game? You know, we touched on this earlier. It's way too early in the season to give absolutes. But right now, it looks like they really have a good shot. You know, they have one of the most dynamic quarterbacks who can run and throw the ball, paired with arguably the best two wide receiver duos in at least the Big Sky, if not the country. Um, Until I see NAU and UC Davis really pick that up, and some consistency from Eastern, I think you could easily say Montana is a, is a bias best offense in the big sky right now. All right, last question. Eastern Washington is playing the game of the week. We have not talked about Eastern Washington enough today. Game of the week, uh, traveling across the country to face Jacksonville State. Who wins and what is the score? Chris, we're going to start with you. Oh, man, I went, I've gone back and forth on this all week between Eastern's the better team and Jacksonville's really upset about how uh, they're, how much hate they're getting online. I think going down to the south, I'm not uber familiar with how many times Eastern's gone down there, but it's different in Alabama. It's hot. It's humid. It's not like it is in Cheney. Um, I could see this one being surprisingly like a 28-26 Jacksonville State win, actually. Montana Parlay? You know, they're actually playing in a real inferno. Start, start, game time start should be about 100 degrees heat index, but oh. I still think it's going to be a shootout, and Eastern Washington wins 54 to 45. 54 to 45. All right. Well, I'm tallying up my points on my scorecard. I got Chris Hammond with a slight lead, but looking over at producer Jerry, I think him and Parlay might be uh, uh, exchanging some Venmos during the game because he has Parlay with a bigger victory, giving Montana Parlay his first championship on Big Sky Big Takes <laughs> and the ability. I knew I'm too rough on Jerry. And it got and me. The, <laughs> the ability. It's all that Twitter hate. Uh, the champion gets. Why don't you, I'm going to give you <laughs> 40 seconds, Montana, to, to give us a rant about whatever you want. Okay, so... I think everyone out there is sick of me and you and Nate complaining about not being able to watch the games. Yes. So I'm going to speak directly to the people who matter and sell it to them straight. So, Coach Choate, set down your IPA. Boosters and uh, alumni who have some clout, gather around and listen up. All right, let's close our eyes and imagine a scenario. It's great to get Montana kids, especially when we can swipe them away from the Grizz. But you need guys from out of state to win a national championship. Sprinkle in some more talent. Let's picture a kid. He's 6'4", 230 pounds in rural Iowa, rural Wyoming, God's country. You know, he goes to a school that's too small to be looked at by the FBS teams, but he's good enough to go to the next level. He plays both ways. He plays it well. And you know what? He wants to play for a top-tier FCS team. So he fires up his DirecTV, turns on his streaming services, which, by the way, his grandmother's happy to pay for because he maintains a 3.85 GPA. And lo and behold, <laughs> he can't find the FCS game of the week 
Montana State hosting SEMO, the Gold Rush, in a beautiful stadium at night with great energy. Doesn't get to watch it. Now, open your eyes. And it's three years later. That kid is hoisting the trophy for North Dakota State because he watched them play on ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> Jeff Choate, if you're listening, put down your IPA. Make this happen. This has to happen. It can't be this hard to get streaming service to the big sky because there's Division II schools. There's high schools that can do this. Uh, Montana Parlay, before we let you go, give everyone your Twitter handle. All right, at Montana Parlay, Twitter and Instagram, if you want to see my trip potentially into the jail of Macomb, Illinois, this weekend at Western Illinois. Yeah, we'll throw some of those pictures up on the Montana Mints Instagram as well. And you can always check out Montana Parlay on the Montana Mints Sports Podcast, giving his gambling picks every week. Chris Hammond, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. Uh, if you want to find our show, Tubbs at the Club, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tubbs at the Club. Uh, you can also find our podcast on it releases on Thursdays on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course TubbsAtTheClub.com. Aaron Rath, where can people find you on Twitter? I am at Aaron Rath underscore UNC, and you can check out our podcast Troy and Aaron Bears all at thirteen ten kfka.com right on the left side, and soon to come to all the big names as well. Love it, and Brent Wahlberg. I didn't feel bad about keeping out of the finals because guess what the grizz are back where can people find you online <laughs> you can find uh, me and my buddies with the grizz fan pod at grizz fan pod we are part of the mint uh, uh mint sports podcast network you can get the grizz fan pod most every tuesday as long as we don't uh, run a four-hour long show and take forever to edit it <laughs> all right you know check us out uh montana mint sports we got all sorts of good content content coming out every week check out the newsletter uh check out the podcast and check out the big sky podcast network where we are bringing all the best content in the big sky into one big happy family that's it for the show congrats to montana parlay for winning and we will see you all next week producer jerry hit me up with that venmo tag <laughs> <laughs>